Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport. What a performance. to the show. I'm John Norman alongside Steve Harmison for the next hour, reflecting on a day at Headingley that started with a bang. And broad strikes. For the 16th time, David Warner goes to Stuart Broad. And in the first over as well, England winning the toss, fielding at lunch. Well, it looked to have paid off, didn't it? Australia 91 for four. Warner, Kawaja, Labashain and Smith all gone. But England's fielding continues to be a problem. A little edge and it's down. Four opportunities uh, being spilt, two of them by Bairstow. Questions about the England keeper. Can he continue with the gloves? 8-10-89 on uh, the text and cricket underscore TS on social media. And boy, did Australia make England pay. Mitchell Marsh back in the side. He was given a life just after lunch and went on to smash 100 runs in the afternoon session. A session that also saw Ollie Robinson go off with a back problem. Marsh went the final ball before tea. And Mark Wood, who began the day with the fastest recorded over in English history, ended it with 5 for 34. Australia bowled out for 263. But sadly, the wickets didn't stop there. Edged and carry. There won't be a lot of cheers for me except for the Australian fans in the crowd. Three chances given, three chances taken. England ending day one 68 for three, a deficit of 195 and plenty to do on the best bowling track of the Ashes so far. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest and this is Talk Sport. Big thanks to Sky Sports Cricket for those highlight clips. Superb coverage once again from those boys. And it was superb, wasn't it, Harmy, to see your boy, Mark Wood, back bowling fast and furious. It uh, Well, it took the breath away at times. Absolutely, 100%. It was it was brilliant. The way, you know, he, he, so he just, it, when he was running in, you were watching him. And I was watching him in awe of how fast he was running in. He was charging in. He was tearing in you know, I had a few messages with him last night and he was saying I'm going to let it fly I'm you know this is you know this is his chance to sort of um to get into this Ashes series 
Um, and he didn't disappoint. A grip, but a captaincy by Ben Stokes to get him in as early as he did. Sixth over, I think, he came on um, with, with three from Broad, three from, from Robinson. Um, but to watch Mark Wood run down the hill and the bounces that he was, that he was, he was producing... And there was one ball that went flying over the top of Johnny Bairstow's head. I think it was about 95 mile an hour. It bounced once on the advertising hoardings uh, on the, the carpet. And it went. It was literally a one-bounce four over the top of, of Johnny Bairstow. Um, he, was, he was frighteningly quick. He would made the opposition um, batters on the, basically on the, on the tips of their toes. And it also helps the other bowlers. When he bowls like this, you've got somebody that bowls like this. Pierce does wonderful things to a batsman. It's great to see. You know, as a fast bowler myself, not quite as fast as Mark. But when you see a batter hopping around, you feel the ball coming out of your hand as beautifully and rhythmical as what it was today. And you hear the thud into the gloves. Um, there's not a better feeling as a bowler, but even better as a spectator when you're seeing what you're witnessing in the Western Terrace. They got going, they got up with it. He bowled four rapid overs. Um, and Australia looked shell-shocked. Manus Labasian looked shell-shocked at times. He took the first, I think the first 16 balls. I think uh, Usman Khawaja was very, very happy sitting on his back at the non-striker's end. And then when he got down to Mark Wood's end, you know, he, he did what a good fast, fast bowler did. He, you know, he got one or two round the, the sort of ribcage area, one just underneath the armpit, and then that beauty, great wrist position. You know, talk about you know getting the ball to swing, great wrist position, brings the ball back in, and castles Usman Khawaja's stumps, something that England have really struggled to do in this series. But there is a big but, isn't there? Always it's is. A similar problem for England. I'm looking at my notes for day one. Uh, 19th over, Steve Smith, of all the people to drop, by the way, dropped by Johnny Bairstow on four. That was a tough chance. Travis Head dropped by Johnny Bairstow off the bowling of Mark Wood for nine. That wasn't a tough chance. Mitchell Marsh dropped by Joe Root on 12. Uh, again, that was a chance that should have been taken. And later on in the innings, Alex Carey dropped again by Joe Root uh, off the bowling of Chris Wokes. It was the first three, though, and in particular, the drops of Travis Head and Mitchell Marsh, which is cost England 100 runs. I know you can't really, you don't, you'll never really know what would have happened if those chances had been taken. Maybe Australia would still be batting tonight. You, don't, you just do not know. But Australia have had three chances. They've taken three catches. England, once again, for the third te- test match in a row. And surely there's got to be question marks again about Bairstow behind the stumps. Yeah, there will be question marks, but there'll only be question marks. There'll be no, I don't think there'll anything outco- any other outcome that Bairstow will be in the side, he'll definitely be in the side. He'll be in the side for sure. I'm sure he will. He, he may but... weigh in with some, you know, not, runs a real note. But the gamble was made. There was two big gambles at the start of this, and they both came down the way of selection. Well, there's more than two. But essentially, let's look at the two that I want to talk about. Moeen Ali, who was ineffective today, nine overs going for 40 runs. Uh, of course, missed out in the second Test match because an injury picked up in the first Test match. Hadn't bowled a red ball for a long, long time. And he was brought into the attack ahead of the likes of Ryan Ahmed, Will Jackson, Liam Dawson. I mean, I think we were all in agreement. We could see where the call yeah. came from. The gamble did not pay off. The gamble with Bairstow was, of course, will his runs make up for the chances missed behind the stumps? That was always going to be the gamble. And two tests and one day in, you've got to say the gamble has not paid off. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The gamble of the Besto probably hasn't paid off, but I think you've got... Let, let's give Johnny you know, a little bit of a chance. He hasn't kept for so, so long, so you knew there was going to be that gamble. Is it worth taking, continuing? I think that's something for McCullum, Stokes and Rubkey to, to to assess, especially with Ollie Pope out of the um, out of the series with potentially of bringing another wicketkeeper in because it's not a foregone conclusion that Ben Folks walks back into this team. I, I can I can possibly see in a Jamie Smith or a an Ollie Robinson being called up to bat at number seven because the the other Ollie Robinson you should the other Robinson. yeah yeah we'll come on to that Ollie Robinson in a second and probably not in a positive way that my my sort of player player watching the on the uh, on the county cricketer this year has been Ollie Robinson last year it was Matt Potts I got him in the team and this year I'm trying to get Ollie Robinson in but not because he was my player watch in the county cricketer but I think the boy is supremely talented but I think he's probably just behind Jamie Smith and I think them two would probably suit the way Ben Stokes and this England team want to play because they want runs at number seven. Um, now Ollie Pope's not involved, there is a possibility that that potentially could happen. They could go back to folks, and I wouldn't disagree with that either because I think he's a great, and a, pardon the pun, he's a safe pair of hands for this team. The Moen Ali one in this game, he was always going. Uh, I'm sorry, many, many times you speak to Ashley Giles, and Ashley Giles would say, if Harmison, Flintoff, and Jones bowl fast, I was getting, I was going over the rope. I w- it was either, it was either them or me. I was going to go and six and over, or I was going to pick up a few wickets because a spin bowler in this situation always cops it, and I mean he does. So Mo and Ali was going to get three or four wickets, or he was going to go at tens because Mark Wood was bowling absolute rockets, and that's just the nature of, of the beast. And we 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 got to give a huge amount of credit to Mitchell Marsh. Absolutely. What an innings that was. Well, what an innings. Our, our big boss, um, he's an Aussie, and he told me I needed to watch the test, the, uh, the, the which profiled essentially the 2019 Ashes series. And I said to him, I don't want to watch it. I, I mean, I knew I had to because, you know, it is kind of my job to know these things, to watch these things. And in the end, I begrudgingly watched it. And I, and I knew why I didn't want to watch it. And that was because I knew that I would kind of like some of the Aussies off the back of it. <laughs> And the one that I liked the most was Mitchell Marsh. And I've just been in a press conference with him. It is impossible. It is impossible not to like that guy. We'll hear a little bit about what he had to say following that innings today. But boy, oh boy, he silenced the crowd here. And on a track which essentially saw wickets tumbling pretty much everywhere, Travis Head, how he made 39, I have no idea. But essentially... You know, Zach Crawley's the, the only one nearer to nearest to Mitchell Marsh. 118 at a run of ball. He hit 113 runs in that afternoon session. And that's with wickets falling all over the place at the other end in the morning and the evening. Ridiculous innings from him. It was, and the the, the beauty about it was he walks out at 60 for, 60 for four, was it? 70 for four. And he he's basically from ball one. Probably because of how England were bowling and how Mark Wood was bowling, especially, it was right. I'm gonna uh, let, let's let's have a contest. Let's let's see the fun of the fair. Yeah, it's gonna be you or it's gonna be me. I'm gonna start swinging. Let's see where it goes to. I could question some of the England tactics from a feeling point of view. Yeah, you know, Travis Head walks out to bat on a on a surface which is doing a bit. The ball's you know moving laterally. We've got catches in positions, and we caught a couple. 
uh, we are creating chances. He walks out to bat. We've got five men on the fence. Uh, I, I was working with Dominic Cork, um, Ryan Sidebottom, Richard Blakey, Adam Holyoke today. And Adam Holyoke, one of the, you know, one of the best captains that English cricket's had from a domestic point of view. Dominic Cork, look, we're, we're looking at each other going, what on earth is going on here? You know, there's, there's five men on the fence here. What's, what, what's happening? Um, but, you know, this is a, a pre-planned tactic from England. So, you know, the, we felt, the, the felt as though it was working. But at the other end, the striking from Mitch Marsh. And I concur, I think he, he's a lovely lad. He really is a, a, a nice, a nice, and he comes from a great family. Jeff Marsh, who don't know that well, but David Boone, who was my first captain, obviously great opening partner with, with Jeff Marsh, speaks very, very highly of him, and and obviously his his brother Sean Marsh, who have, have had a you know a little bit more to deal with, and uh, another another sort of you know top good player, top player, but a nice guy as well. So the Marsh family, and there's a great video out there. Go and get it. Go and get it. Sean Marsh is He's not far. He's just been speaking about it. It's He's a brilliant video. About it. It's a fantastic video. You've got to see it. I'll, uh, I'll check it out. Maybe we can play it out. I'm not exactly sure what it is. But he's just been speaking about it in the press conference. His brother, Sean, is turning 40. And the family marsh are all in Bali. Yep. So I'm guessing they're watching him reach 100. On watching the him on the telly. And then, obviously, when he gets to the, the 100, by dad and, and, and brother, arms aloft, shouting new beauty. And it's just a, it's a great... The video sums the marsh family up. You know, you know, a really good family and proud of of what he's achieved because to dare it was his much as it was Mark Woodstage from an England point of view. Um, I think we, we share the, I think we share the, the champagne from, you know, who had the best day because as good as Mark Wood was, and he was breathtakingly brilliant. Um, Mitch Marsh was exactly the same. Uh, we've had uh, lots of people getting in contact with us on the show. Ian from Liverpool says there's an argument to be made that Bairstow's cost us the first two tests, and now this one too. All the Aussies have to do is not get beat. They are firmly in control. And um, we've had a... Uh, I'm not sure, sure who this is. Oh, Dan from Crew. He says, Good evening, gents. As an avid cricket fan, a few things I've taken from today are this relaxed England is certainly more entertaining cricket. However, it appears catching in the field is off the agenda during training. He says a couple of other points. But what what does it come down to? It's always the age-old question. How, you know, you've got uh, is it a blink of an eye and fielding units either catch everything or drop everything. And, <laughs> and everybody points to, you know, to whatever it is, you know, the too stressed, too, too, too relaxed, um, playing too much cricket, not playing enough cricket. I mean, what is it? I, honestly, I really don't know. I could have a go at the preparation or a go at um, quite a number of things. At the end of the day, you just can't put your finger on it. It's the same as that first session at Lords. You go... There's nearly sort of 1,200 test wickets with a with a new ball and overhead conditions on a green pitch, and you're thinking, right, you've just got to land this in somewhere near the right area, and you've got a chance. And these things happen in the game of cricket. The one thing I will always say, though, is no matter how well you're prepared, how well you go, and I've said this to young bowlers all the time, to not get too disheartened if they do get go for sort of boundaries, is that once you let go of the ball, there's nothing you can do about it. So as long as you stand at the top of your mark, visualize what you're trying to do, execute what you're trying to do, you could get it absolutely perfect in your plan. But you can't legislate for what happens at the other end. Somebody defending it, somebody leaving it, somebody playing well. And, you know, and that's, what's, you know, that's what's happened today. Mark Woods had a day 
where, and then Mitch Marsh has, has played well. But the way England are being sloppy, you, you know, the first message, best though possibly, has cost us in this series so far. And you know, time will tell whether today's drops, the hundred runs, makes a big difference. Um, England will have to look at everything to to understand why, because like the first test at Lords, like the first day at Lords. You were entrusting the most experienced players who you could bank on to utilise favourable bowling conditions, and it didn't happen. And I think Joe Root in the in the last Test match actually took a catch to go past and be one of the most successful England catchers in the history of the game. So if Joe Root's dropping catches, who's caught that many catches? Yeah, uh, there's just it just isn't happening for England that way. Absolutely. Look, we've got uh, plenty to talk about, plenty more to uh, to reflect on in the show. We're going to hear from um, the former England wicketkeeper, Yorkshireman, of course, Richard Blakey, uh, who you were with today, Adam Holyoke, who you may mention, uh, certainly uh, one of my favourite Surrey captains of all time. Uh, he caught up with Super Sam Ellard as well. Jared Kemba's going to be swinging by as well. So uh, get involved with the show, 81089 on the text or uh, social media at cricket underscore TS. You're listening to Following On, Ash's Inquest. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Order, order. All rise for Following On, Ash's Inquest on TalkSport. One of the hot topics, uh, the hot takeaways to come away from uh, day one at Headingley here was Johnny Besto, and not uh, for the right reasons again, I'm afraid. Uh, England have so far dropped 14 catches in the series, not all but by Bairstow, by the way, and Mr Stumping in the ashes so far. But should Bairstow be replaced uh, behind the stumps uh, for the fourth test in Manchester? We've been hearing the thoughts of some of the fans. I would bring folks in and put Bears up the order. I'd like to see folks keep Bears somewhere else. There's enough for both of them in the team. Folks is a better keeper, and I think there's room in the team for them both. No, you keep Bears in for his batting, definitely. Who keeps them? Bears I just think folks are more agile, but Bears deserves his place probably as a batsman. I'd play Bears as a batter, play Folks as a wicket keeper batter, and then if Stokes could bowl a few overs, you could lose one of your seamers. I'm keeping him for now but he needs to up his game definitely there's a little sample of uh, the, the mood here which did veer from one extreme to the other at Headingley it must be said uh, let's hear now from the former Yorkshire and England wicketkeeper Richard Blakey though uh, who's with Harmy today and will be with him tomorrow as well throughout the weekend uh, he's been speaking though to TalkSport Sam Ellard and began by giving his thoughts on Johnny Bairstow dropping Travis Head earlier here on day one Oh, it's not as easy as they come, but Johnny will be disappointed he hasn't taken that. He made good ground across to the ball, and for some reason he just didn't get it cleanly into his hands. Um, as you say, the first one, really, really difficult chance. You've got to change direction. But again, you know, it's a chance that Johnny would expect to take. How hard is it as a keeper when, you know, you've dropped a couple going into a test match and you know some people are talking about another guy, Ben Folks? Is, that, is it more hard kind of mentally to sort of stay in the zone, knowing that people are talking about you? Yeah, obviously, but that comes with professional sport. You know you're under pressure all the time. And as you say, you know, when people are questioning your place in the team, then it does put you under added pressure. But Johnny's, you know, he's a, he's a, big, he's a big lad. He'll look after himself. He's a very confident guy. You know, what he did last year, he fully deserves, for me, his place in the team. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can pick up his form with the gloves and keep doing a great job. 
you say he deserved his place back in the team. I don't think anybody could have doubted that, given how well he went last summer. But for you, was it the right call for him to come straight in for folks? Some people think folks should have kept his place in the team. They maybe should have found room for Johnny elsewhere, maybe at the top of the order. Was it harsh on folks, do you think, for him to lose his place? Oh, for folks, um, yeah, I mean, with because they were both in the side last year, Fawkes and mm. Bester, and, and it worked very well. Obviously, the makeup of the team is a, is a selection issue, and they decided to go with Johnny to give the team balance, and that's probably just, just cost them with a few chances, maybe. But who's to say Fawkes would have taken those chances? Sure. But, yeah, I think, you know, either of them, they're both great keepers, let's be honest, you know, and um, Fawkes is, is still knocking on the door. And also, as well, but Johnny had a lot of time out with the team, yeah. a lot of time watching on TV. How hard is it then to sort of come back into the team and be up for an Ashes series? Is it, you know, mentally and physically also really challenging having spent a lot, a lot of time out of the team? I don't think getting up for an Ashes series is uh, an issue with anyone. You know, um, I'm sure Johnny is absolutely raring to go. Um, obviously, I, I don't know where he was at with his fitness. It's been a long layoff for him. Um, he looks fit. He looks strong, certainly. You know, whether he's had the time to prepare himself, I, I, I don't know. But uh, he's been selected, he's doing his best. And, you know, let's hope that he, he can continue. And one more on Johnny. If England keep the Ashes series alive, do you think they could look to change keeper? Do you think they could be tempted to bring folks back in for Johnny? Keep Johnny maybe in as a batsman at the top, but could England be tempted to change? Or do you think they've gone with Johnny, you stick with Johnny as keeper? Well, I think Johnny Bairstow deserves to be in the team. Whether they go with folks uh, as the keeper, which, you know, it, it, it may help Johnny's batting. It may free up a bit of a pressure that way. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to criticise Johnny and say no folks should be in front of him to keep um, because I think Johnny, you know, definitely deserves to be in the team. So that's Sam Allo speaking with the uh, former Yorkshire and England wicketkeeper Richard Blakey. We've had some uh, comment on social media. Dave G, the only DG, says, uh, well, full, at Fulham, John, whilst coming back from that injury, I would have been concerned if Johnny Bairstow's 100% fit. That's a good call, really. He's miles off his best, uh, which is still not the level required in an Ashes series. Um, not sure about that, but certainly it was one of the questions I, I asked uh, Harmy ahead of this series, whether it was how simple it was just to uh, pick up the gloves after such a long layoff, to have such a, a serious injury. But uh, we'll be talking about that. We're going to be joined very shortly by Jared Kimber uh, to talk about Mitchell Marsh as well um, and hearing from Adam Hollyoak as well. So plenty to come here on TalkSport. You're listening to Following On, Ash's Inquest. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport. What a performance. Right, Jared Kimber's about to join us very shortly. Steve, I've got a question for you, though. Dan from Crew says, uh, where are all the exceptionally fast bowlers being produced in the county game? If it wasn't for Mark Wood today, Australia would have finished the day feeling they had the better of it. I think they might still feel like that, to be honest. Uh, the county game seems awash with phenomenal seam bowlers in the image of Anderson abroad. Where are the young, uh, early to mid 90 mile an hour bowlers being developed? And don't just say Ashington. That was, that, <laughs> well, that was just me at the end. I was just about to say, yeah, Ashington's been a good one. Um, yeah, Dan, you're right. I think I had a rant the other day and I can't remember what, what I was ranting or who I was ranting with, whether it was on here, whether it was Cricket Collective or the County Cricketer, because I actually think it was on the County Cricketer, because I think we were talking to George about England feeling sorry for themselves, but about the ball going soft. You, we, are, we are wrapped up in red tape with medicals, teams and sports science and everything that goes with it. Um, we aren't producing fast bowlers. Fast bowlers aren't bowling the volume of overs to staying fit. Um, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of our bowlers that can bowl over 85 mile an hour, um, not playing the you know, the amount of games and they're just playing four overs. You just learn how to bowl four overs. Your body is conditioned to bowl four overs, bowl four overs fast. Um, during my time, and you know, we've heard from Dick Blakey, and you know, he played in a, in a, in a Yorkshire side who just had a, an abundance of, of, of quick bowlers like Zagoffi and Silverwood. Hoggard was quick at the time. Um, they had some you know, some really fast bowlers. So it's a generation thing. Broad and Anderson were around about the 90-mile-an-hour bowlers when they first started. Um, they've gone the other way. They're not playing one-day cricket, and they bowl volumes of overs. And that tells you that that works because, you know, Jimmy and Stewart have not really had too many injuries over the course of the last 10 years, and that's why one's playing at nearly 41, and Stewart's nearly 37. So the, to the answer is, I don't know where we produce them. We, 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 their bodies are hardened in four-over cricket um, to get them to play a test match. Uh, I, it, is, it is very frustrating as a former fast bowler myself, but we haven't produced many you know, ridiculously quick bowlers of our time. Uh, I played with Simon Jones... Andrew Flintoff was, yeah, 90 mile an hour as well. Devin Malcolm was blisteringly quick through the air just before my time. Darren Goff, who um, we we all know because if you listen to him hard enough, he tells you he both, you know, as fast as anybody in the country. And then we've got Mark Wood and Jofra Archer. And apart from that, over the course of the last few years, we haven't produced many that have played consistently for England. 
Okay, well, uh, Mitchell Marsh, of course, uh, weighed in with that century today. Whether it's going to be a, a match-winning one, we'll uh, just have to wait and see. But uh, he has been speaking following day one, saying it was great to come in for Cameron Green and make the most of his opportunity. I mean, always a bit of a surprise and very unfortunate for Greeny um, with a very, very minor hamstring injury. But I um, feel like I've been his understudy for a few years now on a lot of tours. And um, just, I mean, this group, it's, we've had a, we have a great squad mentality and... Um, you know, my previous experience on long test tours is you always get a chance at some stage, so I just wanted to stay ready and I think I'm the first man to score a test 100 on a UK holiday. He's brilliant, isn't he, Mitchell Marshall? Oh, Jared Kimber's with us, by the way, uh, cricket historian, broadcaster, writer, uh, wildcard. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't envisage... Mitchell Marsh being the story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Mitchell Marsh envisioned that, did he? I mean, it's so accidental. Almost all of his best days at cricket seem to come at the time where you're just like, oh, Mitchell Marsh still plays for Australia. Like, I mean, it did make, do you remember when he won the World Cup uh, in, what was it, 2021? And during that tournament, they dropped him, John. <laughs> like, when you believe in Mitchell Marsh, nothing ever happens. The minute you stop believing in him, he just becomes the Ben Stokes that he was always supposed to be. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, Australia, for years and years, couldn't... Couldn't conjure up as a single all-rounder worth his salt. And now they all seem to be coming out of Western Australia. There's like millions of them. There's another one, you know, as well. I know. Aaron like Hardy. Aaron Hardy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is absolutely bizarre how many uh, has suddenly come through. And I think for Mitchell Marsh that he probably thought, he probably thinks by this stage in his career he should be established in that team. But I do think he's improved a lot as a player over the last couple of years. He's not as quick a bowler as he used to be. He used to be able to bowl 90 miles an hour. He, he, he was decent back familiar. in the day. But, uh, but you know, he's probably you know, uh, a bit too big. He's, he's you know, um, they call him the bison. He's a big unit. And uh, it, I think that's taken a toll on him. He's almost always injured. I th- this is his, I think he's played, what, three first-class games? His fourth first-class game in the last four years or something. And he's been... That also sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, look, he... I remember meeting him when he was very young. He's just a big, lovable, goofy guy, and he's incredibly talented. He comes from one of the most, you know, athletically gifted families in, in Australian sport. You know, his sister's a professional basketballer. His brother is a fo- uh, brother is a cricketer. His, his father was a cricketer and a coach, and he could have played Aussie rules football himself, and he picked cricket. Um, and it hasn't always been kind to him, our sport, but uh, today it certainly was. He was brutal. Yeah, he was. He was brutal. I thought he was, he was you know, the game changer when he came out at... Australia were under pressure and the Western Terrace were having a, a right old good time, Jared, mm-hmm. about the Australians. What did you make of the atmosphere today? Because it was a little bit ferocious. It was, did it go over the top at times? I thought some of the boos and some of the, the cheers were, you know, I thought they were, I thought it, was, it, was, it wasn't too bad. But what did you make of it from an Australian point of view towards the likes of Steve Smith, especially when he inside edged it, and then when Alex Carey came out to bat? It was nowhere near as rowdy as Lords, uh, which it's not very often we're going to say that in our lives, uh, Hami. But look, look, I thought it was okay. Um, I think Friday and Saturday might be when we're tested. I think if we get a hot day tomorrow, it might be a little bit different. Um, there was a there's a Australian news reporter here, and she said she was sitting out with them, and she thought. And she was sent here because it was gonna it was gonna be a powder keg, and she said it felt okay thing to do with it. So uh, look, I, look, there was certainly stuff going on, but it wasn't as brutal as I thought it was going to be. I, I don't know about you, Harmy, but I kind of figured maybe Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon in the middle sessions, especially if uh, you know England get back on top, that's when I maybe expect it most if Carey and Cummins are involved at that point. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was it was quite a good atmosphere um, today. Quite light-hearted at times, and 
you know, the odd boo towards Smith when he wouldn't walk off and <laughs> Gary was always going to cop a bit and he, he got cop one on the head off Mark Wood. So uh, where do you think this game's at, Jared? When you look at the wicket, you've seen how England bowled first thing this morning. There is a little bit in it. It's flattened out a little bit. Pierce is great on it, but... It looks as though it's a, it is a blisteringly quick outfield, so it's a fast scoring ground. Where do you see this game at at this moment in time? Whose dressing room would you like to be in? I think Australia should be a bit more comfortable. I don't I don't know how much you saw of Scott Boland bowling, but some of those balls he was pitching outside off stump, and uh, Alex Carey couldn't take them down the leg side. He does seem to get an extraordinary amount of movement on pitches when no one else does at times. Uh, and the fact that they're going to have, you know, they've, they've still got the newish ball for a little while, you know, Mitch Marshall swinging it around. I think if Australia can get two wickets in that first hour, I think they'll be massively on top. If not... England scores so quickly, maybe they could pull it back. But I'd, I think I'd prefer to be Australia just based on the fact that all four of the bowlers moved it around off the seam or in the air. And I think they're probably slightly more um, suited to this wicket than maybe the England bowls were outside of Wood. What do, do England have a Johnny Bairstow problem behind the stumps, Jared? And what do you think they should do about it? I think they decided on Johnny Bairstow coming back because they wanted seven guys who whacked the ball everywhere. And so they went, we're going to get him back in. And I don't think anyone went and watched him wicket-keep um, after he broke his leg enough to make a decision on whether he was wicket-keeping well enough. And I think they made an error there. This is Look, we, we can all make fun of Johnny Bairstow sometimes for not being the greatest wicket-keeper in the world. This is far worse than we've ever seen him before, other than maybe a couple of tests where he was first coming in and he really, really struggled. He hasn't been like this for a very, very long time. So, yes, they have a problem. I think you sent me a message during the last test. It wasn't the story in the last test, was it? His wicket-keeping. Wicket-keeping and Johnny Bairstow was the story, but not his wicket-keeping. But you sent me a message going, how many has he fumbled? He just didn't drop the catches last test. He was still fumbling other balls today. He's not taking the ball cleanly. He's not moving well. And he's diving and trying to make up for it. And his hands aren't very good at the moment. He's not wicket-keeping well. So why would you continue to do it? They had a perfect chance to bring Ben Folks back in and just say to Johnny, when your leg's full... We still think he's the number one wicket keeper, but just get your fitness back, get your hands back, and then we'll pick you. And instead, they're making him do it, and it's it's costing England because this could be a low-scoring game. Well, yeah, absolutely. Is it? I mean, Johnny Bairstow is not shy of confidence, but do you, do you take from him certainly that that Travis head drop to me seemed like a guy that's actually starting to doubt himself, and that's not something you've ever nobody's ever said that about Johnny Bairstow, homie. No, it look, looks as like he's snatching a little bit. Just, just trying to get at the ball, try and snatch it, as opposed to you watch Ben Folks. It just, it goes into his gloves, and it's quiet. It's, it's nice and calm. There's, there's a rhythm to, uh, to, to the way Ben Folks keeps wicket. Johnny looks as though it's an effort for him at the minute, and I, and I go back to the, the fact that he's not kept for such a long time. The injury it was a ridiculous you know, rehab to get back from. And I, and I think Jared makes a great point. In has anybody watched him keep wicket? How long did he keep for? Did the feel as though did he keep to anybody that was of note pace wise? Did, was he standing up to the stumps? How far was he standing back? All these things. Did they come into it, or did they just go? Well, the easy option. And I think the selectors have made an easy option selection in this three match series so far as well. When. I don't know whether to leave Broad out. I don't know whether to leave Anderson out. I don't know whether to leave Robinson out for the first test match when Mark Wood was fit. So we'll not leave either any of them out and we'll not play Mark Wood, which you can talk about that till the cows come home as well. So that's again, comes back to the, the selection of does best, did, 
did did they have a pre-planned which was Besto bats at seven and we're not bothered about what his keeping looks like. That was a time of telling you to stop your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Should have done it earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't you have about seven of them there? <laughs> exactly, okay. yeah. I was wondering why my alarm didn't go off at 7.45am this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. Oh, John. That's something oh, Sam Allard would do. It is, it is. He doesn't set alarms. Um, you're listening to Talk Sport. This is uh, myself, John Norman, Steve Harmons alongside me, Jared Kimber. We're just about to let you go. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it has been an incredible day. It's been another ridiculous day, truth be told. But has this been, uh, would you say, the... Would you say this has been the best pitch that we've seen? Oh, yeah. So far? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? You know, it was quicker than all the other pitches. Oh, you know, it, it came on better. There was still a little bit in it for the bowler, so it's certainly not It's not a bowler-dominant pitch, but it's also not a batting-dominant pitch. Uh, I just think the cricket was a lot more exciting, and the surface was certainly a big part of that. And in terms of fast spells of bowling, where does that Mark Wood spell, along with the one that we were together with at Solution when we saw him bowl? blisteringly fast you've seen Sean Tate bowl you've yep. seen a lot of fast bowlers where where does that one stand I still think Sean Tate's quicker than Mark Wood but there's something about the consistency of Mark Wood's pace uh, that, uh, and, and the energy that he gets and the fact that he's shorter and he skids it when Sean Tate would bowl a great bouncer but you could sway away from it and then you you know watch it get caught 40 metres behind you Mark Wood is at you so much of the time he's got incredible energy on in what he does also he swung the ball today. Yeah. I don't know if it was on purpose or by accident or whatever it was, but he, that first ball he came in and he bowled at whatever it was, 92 miles an hour, and it tailed away. How do you play that? You feel as though Mark Wood's well, in control of it as um, well. Yes, great control as well. Uh, look, we're, we were running away from us. Time is running away from us here on the show. We've only got about 10 minutes left. We still need to hear from Adam Holyoke. Uh, you can get involved. 81089 on the text. You're listening to Following On, Ash's Inquest. A pitch perfect delivery of superior cricket conversation. This is Following On, Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport. Well, it would be an Ashes test without uh, an Andy Jacobs wrap. And after England dropped several catches in the field today, he went on Hawksfin Jacobs to let his feelings known. Decided to become Australian that I can't take it any longer. You got your baggy when green on it. Got my baggy green on. Honestly, oh. this is the day we completely and finally lost the Ashes. This is the worst day of the series. This is the worst performance by England for a long, long time. Australia should have been 180 all out. I mean, the fielding, the bowling, too short on advantageous conditions. I mean, but Root, I mean, if you can't catch that, you might as well give up playing cricket. You really should. I mean, it's just not worth it, is it? <laughs> no one's taken more outfield catches uh, for England than Joe Root. But, uh, yeah, it's it's brilliant, though, isn't it? I just love it. I love yeah, it. It, is, um, it is. Just shows you what is. the Ashes has been like. And it does. It where does, it goes and who it know. captivates. There are, some people, there are some people who are quite po-faced about it all. Oh, it was out. And I don't know what the conversation is. And But it's even stupid. They're, they're John, doing. Even, but this is what it's about. It is. Even Gabby Agbonlahor is talking about cricket. Well, he exactly. says it's better than Formula One. Come on, exactly. Gabby. It's much better than Formula One. I was going to say, of course it's better than Formula One. I think there's a, I think there's a few people who queue up to bowl at Gabby Agbonlahor at the minute so yeah get Gabby in the nets get him in there get his pads on come on Gab we'll get some bowlers at you we'll see if Mark Wood's free he might have a bowl at you 
Mate, you'd do it. Um, <laughs> you were, uh, you were, of course, with uh, the former England captain today, Adam Hollyoke, uh, and he caught up with uh, Super Sam Ellard and began by giving his thoughts on England's new style of play under Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum. It's been an amazing transformation. Um, I, I love the positive cricket they're playing, um, and I love the way he's got all the team to buy into it. That's probably the two things that stand out the most. He's, he's obviously an inspirational character, but... Um, to be able to get your team to buy into something like this is, is fantastic and um, you know, hopefully it goes from strength from strength. Some people would say that aggressive approach you know, cost them in that second test in particular. You think in, that first, in their first innings, the way they threw their wickets away, is that fair? And if it's fair, do you have to just sort of say, well, if they're going to play that type of cricket, that sort of losing those wickets on you know, playing aggressive shots is just kind of part and parcel of it? Um, it's not quite as simple as that. Um, I think the way I look at it is it's a, a new style of play and it's evolving. I, the way I likened it the other day, I was talking to someone, I said when the iPhone came out, it was lacking a lot of features and it was um, it had flaws and they didn't throw the whole iPhone away. They just upgraded it and <laughs> added some features to it. And I think that's what this side will do. I, I definitely don't, I think Basball's working and I love the positive approach. I just think they just need to have a bit of a rethink and when they do get the opposition on the defence, then they can you know, make some alterations and their tactics will evolve with time. And I think that's part of it. It's a young team and I think they'll improve. Have you been surprised then at perhaps some of the criticism that's come their way over the last two Test matches, given the success they've had in the year previous? Not really. Um, you know, This is Ashes cricket and ultimately... Our careers are defined by, by what happens in these uh, in these series. You know, World Cups, Ashes series, they're huge. So uh, it doesn't surprise me because people get emotional about them. We only mm. have to see the way when you get Lords members yeah. trying to throw punches at Australian cricket. You, that tells you how emotional people can get. So it doesn't surprise me. The media are, uh, are involved in that as well, and, and rightly so. They want they want to feel emotional about it, and I think the fact they do is what makes this series so great. You play for England. You spend a lot of time now, though, don't you? In Australia, how impressed have you been with the tourists this series? They've a lot of talk and a lot of hype about baseball going into the series, but they've looked impressive, haven't they? At times, they're a good side. Um, I've, you know, this is, might be controversial, but I think this is the best fast bowling unit, Australian fast bowling unit I've seen probably since the 70s. Wow! So I mean, I would say the best bowling attack that I've seen since the 70s, but then obviously that side in the 90s had Warney, so I think that they don't quite live up to that banner yet but they're, they're probably arguably the second best bowling attack that um, Australia's had since mm. Lily and Tomo and, wow. and that lot so they're a good side and, and I think they've slid under the radar you know they hadn't did have some average results there for a while after the, the sandpaper and they were um, you know they were rebuilding but they're, they're a strong unit they, and they've got you know three guys in the top ten batsmen in the world on top of their fast bowling unit so I mean obviously we want to beat these guys every time but there's you know, no disgrace in being 2-0 down to these guys. They're a very good side. Um, that said, I think, you know, we can beat them. And we'd probably have a better chance of beating them if we could catch right. More drop catches today. We've seen a lot of drop catches throughout the series. Johnny Bairstow in particular has mm. dropped a few, missed some stumpings. Let's be honest, I think the, the Travis Head one was a, a pretty routine catch for, for a keeper. How, why did this happen to size? Is it not enough practice, a lack of concentration? And is Bairstow now behind the stumps becoming a, a, a problem? Could there be a temptation to bring folks back in moving forward? I think that temptation is always there. That argument has always existed. You know, what's more important, the you know, full-time wicketkeeper or a wicketkeeper that can score runs? So um, that, that argument's going to be there. Uh, the catching, that sort of 
I mean, you, you, you got everyone who's listening will be, be aware that when you're not winning, that these catches tend to go down. When you're winning, you catch everything. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been fortunate. I played in sides that have won everything, and you know, the ball bounces off the fielder at a silly point, and someone catches yeah. it. So these things go your way. And just at the moment, you know, we're two 0 down. Things can't quite going our way. So you know, these these catches they hurt you, don't they? It's not just when you're in. You're not winning. You drop the catch, and then they go and put on a hundred-run partnerships on that. So, which is exactly what's happened today. Adam Adam Holiak speaking with Sam Elardet. Such an eloquent and refreshing mind, uh, Holiak. I just feel a little bit like he's been lost to the game in this country, uh, and maybe Australia as well. Uh, Harmy, looking ahead to day two, need runs, don't we? Need runs. We need crease occupation. If England are batting at uh, stumps tomorrow, then they are in control of the game, unless they're following on. I'm no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Pesto and, and Root, two players who, who bat well together on their home ground. I think they're the ones that are going to have to be the main steers, along with, obviously, Ben. We've got experience in the next sort of two wickets. We've got experience, and that's got to break the back of this 100 and whatever is deficit. And if England can get to tea time tomorrow and be you know within punching distance of that last session, and all of a sudden, England could just take the game away from a tired bowling unit going into that last session. So that's what England are going to be talking about tonight and tomorrow morning when they first get to the ground. Brilliant stuff. OK, Harmi, well, I'll see you at the ground t- tomorrow. Big thanks to you. We'll be back tomorrow as well between 7 and 8 on Talk Sport, uh, following on Ash's inquest. Uh, but for now, that's all, all we've got for you from a uh, quite chilly and breezy uh, Headingley where uh, 13 wickets fell on another incredible action-packed day. There was a Pfeiffer, there was a fast bowling, there was an incredible come-from-behind century as well. And it's a day that's ended with Australia on top. Must be said, England need to end at day two on top. Uh, come back and join us here tomorrow to find out if they've done it. You've been listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget for more cricket content, you can listen to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 every Tuesday evening as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winners Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names. And if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team, you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast. But for now, you've been listening to Following On. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.